Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. We thank you, God, for your loving kindness. Father, for your mercy that are new every morning. God, we thank you that you're a faithful God. Lord, that we can trust in you, that you are our hope. God, we thank you so much for how good and how awesome you are. Today, oh God, we want to exalt you. We want to praise your name. We want to magnify you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you that you may come and you may speak to your hearts. God, we need a renewal. We need a change. We need a transformation. But that only happens when we encounter you. So, Jesus, we need you. We need to have that encounter with you today, God. I pray that you may go ahead, Holy Spirit, and just continue to till the soil of our hearts so that when your word, that seed comes, Lord, that it will be seeds that will, will be planted and will grow and give forth fruits of righteousness. Father, we don't want to leave here the same in, in the same way that we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to turn your attention to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Okay, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. By the way, this is just part of it. I'm, I'm starting you up. I heard some stomachs grumbling, so I decided, man, you know what? Los pastelitos were not good today. Las croquetas were probably even finished. Right? So what can we give them? Dessert? Nah, that's not good enough. That's fake nutrition. We're going to give you the real healthy stuff. All right? Better than organic. By the way, I can't say like fat jokes anymore because I'm losing weight. If you haven't noticed, right? So Galatians 6, 9, stay with me. Today is going to be short, but it's going to be powerful. So don't miss out. Don't miss out. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary. Don't become tired, slack, stop, discouraged, retreat as if in battle, give up. In doing good. For at the proper time. In due season. We will reap the harvest. The reward is coming. Even if it's not immediately. If we do not give up. If we don't relax. If we don't lay down. Become exhausted. If we don't faint. By the way. This right here that I just described to you. Is the life of one. That's controlled by the Spirit of God. That's the life of somebody that's controlled by the Spirit of God. Do you guys remember a time when you've had to place your trust in someone or something? How hard was it for you to trust? Consider that. Have you ever felt like all this hard work, or maybe perhaps you have said it, all this hard work for nothing? You know, no one here likes to wait. Anybody here like to wait? No. We're used to getting what we want, when we want it, and as many times as we want it. But did you know that the Bible's filled with stories and verses with the value of waiting on God? You see, the, the kingdom of God, timing is everything. And we see in the lives of all these men and all these women who had to endure all these long periods of time before the God-given purpose 
was fulfilled, was accomplished, what came to pass. And God used these periods of time uh, to mold their character, to prepare these people for the extraordinary blessing that was to come. You know, we have to ask ourselves, what am I doing in the process as God is preparing me for these extraordinary blessings that he has for me? You know, I wish I could have asked Abraham when God promised him Isaac, right? And that promise came 25 years later. I'd love to ask him, what possessed you to do what you did and go ahead of God? I mean, after all, wasn't he the father of faith? Think about it. I mean, this is the guy who offered up his son back to Jesus, right? Back to God. I would love to ask him, what possessed you to try to jump ahead of God? And I have to ask myself too, what possesses us to try to go ahead and try to jump ahead of what God wants to do in our lives? Do, do we understand that we don't have control? He's the one that's in control. We think that we have control, and that's why we mess up. And I'm not getting amens. You know, but the great thing about God, at least one of them is, the fact that you and I don't have to wait alone. He waits with you. You know, remember these guys that were in the boat and Jesus was sleeping? They're caught in this storm, and they're like, oh, we're going to die. And look at Jesus. He's sleeping. Man, listen, we should learn something from that. Why don't we learn to rest in him? <laughs> Man, why don't we rest in him? I got a little secret for you. So, did you all know that the Bible is filled with secrets? Lots of secrets. That if we would read the scriptures, we would, be, we would be let into that secret, and then we can live successful lives. You ready for that secret? Here it is. And this one, by the way, is for the person who wants to enjoy God's very blessed. How many of you want the best? If you did not raise your hand, see me after service. We're going to pray for you, all right, and let you know that you do want God's best. All right, so let me ask that again, because some of you, I mean, you know, maybe had a delay of, okay, tell the hand go up, you know, and then it's like, and I went too fast. But how many of you, honestly, how many of you want the very best? If you want the very best, I am going to share a secret with you. But only 3W knows the secret. No one else. You ready? Here it is. Psalm 25, verse 14. Here it is. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. You want the best? God has the best to give you.
And the secret begins with fearing God. You know, it's sad. Sometimes we fear men more than God. I should tell you what fear I'm using. Fear meaning reverence, respect, and honor. You're going to get mad at me, but it's all right. We'll stand up for a speaker. We'll stand up for this man whose great name or whatever it is, but we won't stand up and worship God. Let me tell you something. When you come into church, the presence of God he is here, and therefore he deserves our honor and our respect, and we stand because he's worthy. He deserves it. He deserves our worship. He deserves our adoration. He deserves our lives. He deserves the lives of our family, our children, our spouse. He deserves every part, every aspect of you and of me. You know, I'd love to go into your house. And I'd love to rearrange your furniture. <laughs> you know... The guys are laughing. The girls gave me a look. Uh, you, you all think you see everything from up here. It's pretty wild. The girls are looking at me like, like, who do you think you are? No one. I just want to come into your house and rearrange stuff. Put things the way that I feel like it. And if you don't like it, oh, well, deal with it. Put up with it. Now, why am I saying this to you? You see, because I have no authority to do that in your house unless you give it to me. As a matter of fact, you know, I have been to some of you all's house. I don't know what certain rooms look like. Because you don't let me in there. Because you see, I'm no one to go in there. I don't have the authority. I'm not part of your family. I'm not whatever it is that gives me the authority to come in. And you see, this is what I'm trying to tell you. We do that to God. We tell God, you know, there's areas in my life, in my heart, that you don't have the authority to come into. You can't look in that room. Better yet, Jesus, don't you dare move that chair. Jesus, don't you dare Touch that. It's expensive. Better yet, it cost me a lot and a lot of sacrifice. A lot of hard work. Don't touch it. You see, that's because we haven't learned that God has to be Lord of our lives. We know him. We recognize him as Savior. But the Lordship is the hard part. That's where we haven't allowed him to become Lord. You see, because if he was Lord of your heart, of your life, then you are the guest in your own heart. And he's allowed to rearrange and move things, even if you don't like it. Eventually, you'll learn to love it. Because you all told me that you want the best. And that's the secret. The secret is in the fear and the respect and the honor and the lordship of who God is. So allow him to rearrange our lives. 
in the way that he wants, in the way that he can. That is, of course, if you didn't lie to me here at church, which people don't lie at church. You told me you wanted the best. And that's what it takes to get the best. So now you're ready to start? I was just prepping you. I was just prepping you. That's just the beginning. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And behold, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. So his name means God hears. And this man here is an example on how God honors those who spend a lifetime in prayer and watchfulness. Prayer and watchfulness. If you're not used to praying, get used to it. Start. If you're not used to being watchful, start. Because God honors this type of person. And this man was just and devout. He had no credentials, no special authority. The Bible says that he was just simply just and devout. In other words, he was a man who walked or had a close walk with the Holy Spirit. Man, do you understand that as I was studying this, like this hit me hard. You all know I do crazy stuff. All right. You all do. So, you know, I did something crazy. I started, I stood, I, I sat there in my office and I said, God, I wonder if you were to write a story in the Bible or a book about me and you will put it in the Bible. I wonder what you would say. That, man, I'm telling you, that rocked me. You all think for real, and I'm going to tell you for a very long time, you all think that this stuff is for you, but you don't even understand how it rocks us when we study it to teach you. I mean, it rocks us, man. I really sat there, and you know the first thing that came to my mind, right? Well, you're not worthy for a Bible book to be named after you. Better yet, you're not worthy to, to have a story written about you. But you know what? Then I remember that this guy had no special credentials, no special authority. So it didn't matter whether I thought I was worthy or not. What mattered was that he was just and that he was devout. A man who had a close walk with the Holy Spirit, that's what mattered. Do you understand that that's what matters in your life? It doesn't matter what people say, what people think, even what title you may have. I remembered again studying when Pastor David was like, hey, listen, you know, we need to do an email for you. You know, what title would you want the email to say or whatnot? You know what my answer to him was? I really don't care. See, because titles mean nothing. They don't mean anything. They don't. We can have a title. We can make lots of money. And we miss out on Jesus. And what? The title is there. Money is there. House is there. This and that. 
Guys, we can have a house and not have a home. And what? Thank you. That's right. That's right. We can build a house and miss out on a home. You see, because to have a house, it takes for you just to have a job and pay your mortgage. But to have a home, to make a home, it requires you to be on your knees in prayer and worship and reading scripture and sharing it with your, with your children and watering your spouse and your home with God's word. That's what it requires. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of Jesus and very little of you. Where was I? Uh, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting, in other words, for the comforter, for the deliverer. And it said here, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. In other words, he had a revelation of the, from the Spirit of God. A revealed truth. So you know that I had to go and look up the word devout. And I had to look up the word just. I had to. So right here it is. Just. Acting. Or being in conformity. I like that word conformity. It's in other words. Taking the shape of. You got that? It says taking the shape of. With what is morally upright and good. We need to take the conformity. We need to take the mold of what's morally upright or good. Devout. Totally committed to a cause. You know, sadly, we have a lot of people committed to causes. Right? But the wrong cause. Committed to a cause, a belief, or a mode of behavior. Verse 26 and 27. You ready? And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. You know, let me ask you guys a question really quick. How many of you, how many of you here today truly believe that God has made you a promise? Again, if your hands are not up, come see me later. We will talk. We will read scripture together. We will pray together. We'll cry together, laugh together, and we'll even hug. Okay? But all of us have promises that God has given us. He will not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. So you see, Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to God. All right? In the temple. So we see here that Simeon was a man of patient faith. But how many of you know that all this waiting for the Messiah presented a lot of opportunities to doubt? I ask you. How many of you believe that there was promises that God has made to you? You raised your hand. But that waiting, that waiting can present opportunities for us to doubt. Do you really think that Simeon 
maybe perhaps did not want to show up some days to the temple? Come on now, let's be real. Can you imagine now? Obviously, you're like, no, Fernie, because we know what happened. Yeah, we know what happened. He waited. He saw Jesus. We get you. But can you imagine? Let's just imagine. If he would have not shown up the day that Jesus went or the day that Jesus showed up. You know, it showed a lot of commitment. And some of us are not willing to wait. Some of us are not committed enough to wait for that promise to be fulfilled, to be completed. Do you all remember Mary and Joseph when they lost Jesus for like three or six days? And they found him in the temple. You know, church, do you know why we are incomplete? We are incomplete because we have lost Jesus. We are incomplete because we have left Jesus behind, and some of us don't even know it. I know your all faces tell me. And you know what's crazy? They sought Jesus amongst the people. These guys were like, you know what? Where's Jesus? Amongst the people. And you know when they found Jesus? They found Jesus when they went to the temple. You know when you all are going to find Jesus? You know when you and I are going to find Jesus? When we come back to prayer. When we come back to Bible study. When we come back to worship. When we come back into God's presence. When you come back to the temple. They got so preoccupied that they left Jesus behind. So you know I got to ask you, what are you so preoccupied with that you're leaving Jesus behind? What is it that you're so preoccupied? You see, when we leave Jesus behind, you know what we do? We try to find him amongst the common people. You know, Mary and Joseph didn't go right away to the temple to look for Jesus. They looked for him amongst the people. And I just wonder, how many of us here know that, that Jesus is in a lot of people here, and you're actually looking for people instead of for Jesus? I wonder. I wonder how many of us here, again, know that Jesus is in a lot of people here, and you're looking for people rather than for Jesus. I love it. They found Jesus. They found Jesus, right? And Jesus looks at them and says, I must be about my father's business. Jesus said, I must. So you know I have to ask you, what is your I must? What's your I must? What is it that you must do? Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. What is your I must? I remember Mary. I remember Martha. Jesus looked at Martha and said, Ay, Martica. Ay, Martica, Martica. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> Just you are looking. It's like, wait, that's not what it's. I know. It's not that. But humor me. Laugh with me. It's all right. Oh, Martha. You are so preoccupied with so many things things 
But your sister Mary, she has chosen the must that's important and necessary. For you that do not know the story, this is what she chose, the must. I must be at the feet of Jesus. What is your must? I must do this. I must do that. I, might, I must get this done. I must, I must, I must. And we miss out that we must be at Jesus' at Jesus' feet. Because if we're not at Jesus' feet, then you know that everything else that we're building crumbles. Because you know what the Bible says, right? We need to build upon the rock. So that when the storms come, what happens? The wind can blow. The rain can hit it. And there's nothing that will bring that house down. Why? Because I have set your feet upon the rock. Jesus Christ. So I have to ask you. What are the small things that you find hard to do? What are the small things, the small important spiritual things that we are skipping on? Prayer, reading the Bible, coming to the temple, going to Bible studies, having devotional time, seeking Jesus, following Jesus. What are the important things that we're missing out on? You know, small things do add up to bigger and greater things. So here we go. Let's have some fun if you haven't been. How many of you here, you can't lie in church. How many of you here are addicted to The Bachelor? To The Bachelor. Bachelorette, Bachelor Paradise, Bachelor Tent, whatever. All The Bachelors. I know you're all talking and you don't want to confess. Listen, we don't judge you. Right? Be honest with me. How many? Okay, you're not addicted. How many of you have watched The Bachelor? Bachelorette. You know, you've watched it. You know about it. All right? All right, thank you for not watching much TV, especially that. But you know, I'm not going to even say much about it because I have a lot to say. But one of the common themes in The Bachelor here is the fact that these people are asking others for a commitment week after week. You notice that? Week after week, these guys here are asking for a commitment of other people. But when it came time for them to be committed themselves, they would check it out. So all they would do is, would you accept this rose? Looks dead. But that's how they would do. Week in and week out, they would say, would you accept this rose? But when it was time. Would you accept this rose? So. And it's not the bachelor. We're married. There you go. But. You know, they would chicken out. And they would say, would you accept this rose? But when they were asked to step to the plate, 
They couldn't find the courage to do it. They couldn't. Jesus is there for us. Day in and day out. Week in and week out. And yes, that's right. He is asking for a lifetime commitment from you too. And you see, God didn't come and tell you or give you a rose. He gave you the most valuable thing he could. He gave us his son, Jesus. That's what he gave you. That's what he gave me. And when he comes to you and he says, would you accept my son, Jesus? It wasn't a one-way relationship that he was offering you like these guys doing The Bachelor. He was actually already committed to you before you even committed to him. God is good. Give him a praise offering. You know, God is offering us a relationship before we're even committed to him. He, has, he was already committed to us without even us saying, okay, I'm going to commit my life to you. That's worthy of praise. He's worthy. We serve an awesome God. That, that he loves us in spite of what we think, of how we feel, what we say, what anyone says. He simply loves you. He simply loves us. What an amazing thing that I can get up this morning and feel unlovable and know and understand that he loves me. Isn't that cool? Gives me reasons to dance. <laughs> yeah, I don't dance. As you saw. But it gives me reasons to dance. It gives me reasons to rejoice. Because you see, God is committed to me day in and day out, week in and week out. Even if that day I choose, I decide not to commit to him. He's committed to me. You know why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful even when you are not. He's faithful even if you are faithless. Because that's who he is. That's who he is. He makes a way where there's no way even if you don't see it. He's at work on your behalf. He is working behind you and you don't even see it better yet. He's working before you. Because he's ahead of you preparing the way. And when God gives you something, he prepares the way. Verse 28. So he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, there was nothing special about Simeon that would qualify him to pick up Jesus in his arms and bless him. I hope you know that. Verse 29. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So notice this. Simeon thanked God. Simeon blessed God. But before he did that, you know what he did? He recalled the promise of God. I'll read it to you, verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. 
it's important that you remember the promises of God. The Bible says that they're yes and amen. You see, we sometimes look at God the same way that we look at man. You know how? As a promise breaker. How many of us say it? Oh, yeah, I'll get this done, and we don't. Or, yeah, I'll get this done, and we'll do it later. Or we forgot, and we never did it. Right? God is not like that. Remember the cross. What did he say? It is finished. Because what he began, he what? Completed. He finishes. And that's why you and I can fix our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus. Because he begins and he completes and he perfects. So what concerns you this morning? The Bible says something about that, right? That he will what? Perfect what concerns you. Thank you, Jesus. It's all right. In this church, we clap for the Lord. So here we see that he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. So in the Old Testament, this is referring to the physical deliverance of Israel. In light of the New Testament, it's referring to the spiritual, spiritual uh, salvation that comes through Jesus' work, all right, and his person. So in the Old Testament, we see that God, that Israel is being saved from the nations, but now Israel's Messiah will bring salvation to the nations. They're missing out. Verse 31, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. This is referring to God's design and his plan that will be fulfilled. You know, God, how many of you know Jeremiah 29:11? I mean, I don't have it out there, but how many of you know it? Jeremiah 29:11? So you're like, yeah, amen, hallelujah. You're going to get mad at me. So what if you know it? The questions are, do you believe it and are you walking in it? So what? He has a plan. Do you believe it? So what? If he has a plan, are you walking in it? Right? I told you, you're mad at me. Verse 32. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. A light to bring worship team. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. So now we see the Gentiles. Now we see you. We see me. We see us. We're able to participate in God's blessing with a fullness that had not been revealed in the Old Testament. You ready? And the glory of your people Israel. So now we see that the nation would see the fulfillment of God's promise. Isn't Simeon's life a beautiful picture of obedience, of faith, knowing that God's plan will be completed? Church, I have to ask you, can you wait for God's plan to be completed in your life? Church, can you wait for God's plan to be completed in the life of your children? To be completed in the life of your spouse? But the real question, too, is this. You ready? Are you willing to do what it takes? 
Are you willing to do what it takes for God's plan to be fulfilled in your life? For God's plan to be completed in your life? Philippians 1.6 Being confident, in other words, having assurance of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet.